Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Behind these live images right now, we we see Hunter Biden appearing at the Capitol, just walking through the door. It looks like he's surrounded with his Secret Service team there and, and other members of his entourage. But he is officially at the Capitol as these hearings get underway. We're looking at live images right now as he goes through. It appears the the medical the metal detector or nearby the metal detectors, uh, and yep. we presumably expect him to enter at least one of these committee rooms because again this is before the oversight committee also action happening in the judiciary committee we're just going to follow these cameras and what they followed was hunter biden and his legal team not walking through metal metal detectors walking around them they were never checked they i guess are above security that happens for you know americans like you and me shows up at the Oversight Committee hearing. There's James Comer. There's Representative Nancy Mace of South Carolina. There's Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia. And sitting there is Hunter Biden. It is from there that the full clown show begins. What I'm about to share with you, I could not make up if my life depended on it. I am a man who can think of many a thing, but even I don't have this level of skill. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. Hunter didn't show up when he was subpoenaed. He stood there in front of the Capitol and said, you are insulting the light of my father's love. I'm sorry, the light of what? My father's love, this love for his son. Oh, dear Lord. You really are a petulant, silly little child, aren't you? And look at what Republicans have done to you. For six years, MAGA Republicans including members of the House committees who are in a closed-door session right now, have impugned my character, invaded my privacy, attacked my wife, my children, my family, and my friends. They've ridiculed my struggle with addiction, they've belittled my recovery, and they have tried to dehumanize me, all to embarrass and damage my father who has do devoted his entire public life to service. Uh, for, the, for the record, you do not have a character that can be impugned. You have no character. You're a man with addiction issues and working your way through that. All the best to you. But none of that 
changes the fact that you traded on the family name, Hunter Biden. You took money from Ukraine and China. You have no skill set whatsoever. You have friends who bought your artwork so they can have access to the president, which is the story of your adult life. And your character, which, by the way, doesn't exist, should be impugned when you forget about your own daughter. Just so we all understand each other, guys, and where we are in this subject, that's where I am with Hunter Biden. All the leftists, blah, 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 about how dare you say this about Hunter, how dare you mock Hunter. There is plenty to mock Hunter for. Plenty of despicableness. Plenty of shadiness, of crappiness to address with Hunter. Hunter, I mean, this all happened in the last couple hours. This is nuts. This all happened, what, today's Wednesday. Hunter gets in to the meeting. He is there in the oversight committee hearing. He's not testifying. He's in the... I don't know whether the audience, the gallery, I don't know what they officially would call it. Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who has lost her mind, by the way. You want to talk about somebody who I think is a is a definitely a bit unhinged, but probably a really good party. Nancy Mace. She is not pulling a punch. Our- um, first of all, my first question is who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, second question, you are the epitome of white privilege coming into the oversight committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here. And- Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Oh, I know. Uh, point of inquiry. Uh, you have no. Um, I don't- I honestly don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Now, uh, Kylan is running the board today. Hey, Kylan, good to have you here. You didn't have to, to bleep that. It didn't have to be dumped out. That was absolutely acceptable. Uh, it's coming from a member of Congress. It's a news story. That said, I don't know if I'm allowed to repeat what it is that she said. I, I'm, I'm not so sure. Then all of a sudden, everybody's got a point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman... If the gentle lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. And Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter speaking. Biden. What are, are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Order, order, order. Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Are women allowed to speak in here or no? you keep interrupting me. I'll interrupt the chairman. I don't know that he's a lady. Welcome to the United States of America, the U.S. Congress in 2024. No? Oh, play the music? Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. It's insane. It's beyond a clown show. It's nuts. So Mace has got a, a series of things that she's saying... People have got their points of order. Andy Biggs from Arizona is like, I'm not going to be interrupted when I speak. It's not going to happen. Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia then starts to speak. And what does Hunter Biden and his team do? They walk out. For five minutes. 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Oh, Apparently, oh, you're afraid of my words. Uh, here <laughs> oh. I like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. Hunter walks out. We have now reached the peak. My gosh, what is happening here? For a guy who is so worried that his father is under attack for no reason, man, you're making it pretty easy to go after your dad. Because the question's going to be, what the hell's up with your son? This puts Hunter Biden now in the hallway. And in the hallway, people are trying to ask him questions everywhere. Why did you put your dad on the phone? If he wasn't involved in your business, why was he on your phone? Why was he talking to your people? And then, of course, the question of questions. Could you please, I'll answer your question if you be quiet and let me make a statement, okay? What crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? Let me- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you heard that or not. Right here. A statement. Okay. What crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? Question, Mr. Biden. What kind of crack do you normally smoke? Oh! Oh my gosh. That all happened in like a, in, an hour. <laughs> oh, what's happening? We used to. We used to be a proud nation. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. Um, this whole thing is, is, is surreal. Is crazy. Understand what the Oversight Committee was doing today. They were discussing Hunter Biden. They were discussing Hunter Biden and whether or not to hold him in contempt. They want to get this through the committee and bring it to a full vote. I cannot describe with you, to you how much I love this. Because if you bring it to a full vote of the House, you now get to put Democrats on the record saying that no, no one has to listen to a congressional subpoena. They are going to subpoena, they subpoenaed Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden did not show. They now want to hold him in contempt. So if you vote against the contempt, you're saying that a congressional subpoena has no power. I dare the Democrats to say that. I dare them. I want them to go on the record and state that uh, that a congressional subpoena means nothing. Because when they do, because they won't be able to, 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 to bring themselves to say, yes, you have to listen to a congressional subpoena. Well, then it's over. 
You never have to listen to one again, except when you get subpoenaed, they'll say, well, what happened to Hunter Biden was just Republican intransigence, and they're not serious people, but this is serious, and now you have to listen. And then they'll send the Capitol Police and the Sergeant-at-Arms to your house, probably at 4.30 in the morning, Paul Manafort style, bust down your door, keep your children at gunpoint, and handcuff you in your underwear while they walk you outside. Who doubts me? No one, no one, no one, no, orange whip, orange whip, three orange whips, correct. There's nothing to doubt. But to be on the record saying you don't think a congressional subpoena means anything, I think is gold. I think that's fantastic. So this is what took place. It is, it is something else. As for why Hunter Biden showed up today, honestly, I have no idea. I have no idea what the win is. I, I, uh, uh, mocking people, as, as Nancy Mace described, I don't think she did it well. She cannot let her emotions get the best of her. And she does that often, it seems to me. But I don't know why Hunter showed. I don't know what he gained from all this. That said, I don't actually care. Would someone please keep moving along the down the road on this impeachment inquiry and if we're going to impeach let's get on with it then keep it here i'm tony katz whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you Boeing admits that maybe, maybe their airplane, the Max 9, isn't uh, all it's cracked up to be. Maybe, just maybe, there's a real problem. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. There is some reports out there that this Alaska Airlines flight, where the window blew out, I mean, it's it's a whole section of the fuselage that blew out while it was mid-flight. And they had to descend under 10,000 feet, and then they had to return back, I think it was to Portland, and, and, and land. There are reports that um, they knew some bolts were loose. And the plan was to service the plane after it had landed. This has led to a very, very unique conversation about what's happening in the airline industry. So this all ties to conversations we've already had. Remember, we do things, we're having conversations before anybody's even thinking about the idea. That's what we do. We talk about what other people haven't even thought about. And we have discussed this in terms of the law, and we've discussed this in terms of medicine. That if you take a look at progressivism, if you take a look at um, how uh, they train lawyers not to actually believe in innocent until proven guilty, but 
How dare you think we should have to defend so-and-so? And how dare you let somebody else speak freely? They don't believe in the First Amendment. They don't believe that everybody is entitled to defense. And they do not believe innocent until proven guilty. This is what they were raised with, whether it be by parents or really by educators. And then this is what is impressed upon them by their law school professors, medical schools. When students, uh, are, med students are taking the Hippocratic Oath, reminding them that they're practicing medicine on indigenous stolen land, that they should worry about pronouns before health, that they have to make sure they're speaking to a person who looks like this, like this, that a person who looks like that, like that. I've made the argument here the person is on the gurney and they're dying and the doctor says ma'am we have to operate immediately and the person on the gurney says I'm a man you can't call me ma'am the question is should the doctor operate or apologize and anybody who says apologize is saying that the idea of the wokeness is more important than saving the life. My father, from when I was a kid, literally 10, would explain the following. There is a guy at, your, at, at, the, at the liberals' door, refer to him as liberals, with an ax breaking down the door. The liberal runs to the phone, as opposed to having a cell phone. It was back in the day. There was a phone. Runs to the phone and sees out the window that the traffic light is out. What do they do? I was 10 when my father first started having those conversations with me. Trust me when I say I grew up differently than you did. It's the same mathematics. Anytime you put the wokeness over the medicine, you will have dead patients. And they do it all the time. And they teach it and they're proud of it. This is a story about how DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and progressivism destroy everything it touches. It will destroy everything. It destroys minds. It destroys humanity because, after all, it's all part and parcel of Marxism, and that's what Marxism is supposed to do. Destroy Western culture, Western civilization, destroy America, destroy the free and thinking people by allowing for this mass level of confusion as opposed to clarity, and then in comes the communism to save the day. That's all it is. It has not changed in 100 years. This is who these people are. It's just unbelievable how well it catches on. It's amazing how well this lie works. Well, if you have it in law, and you've seen it everywhere, and if you have it in medicine, you've seen it everywhere, why wouldn't you have it everywhere? And one of those places is airlines and air travel, and specifically pilots. And the idea that very possibly the new pilots who all grew up with this kind of stuff who have all been indoctrinated and tortured with this kind of stuff. They've all been through the struggle sessions and avoid the struggle session by saying, absolutely, whatever you say, please don't hurt me. You gonna trust these people to fly a plane? I'm asking you a question. Are you going to trust these people 
to fly an airplane. What can they handle? Will they remember how to work through their checklist? You think any of these people are Sully? Talking about uh, Captain Sullenberger and the flight in the Hudson? Nah. What are the odds? It is amazing how air travel has progressed and the safety that really air travel has been able to provide. But if you've got loose bolts and you don't think the plane should be taken out of service, rather you're like, ah, we'll wait till it, we'll wait till tomorrow. What shot? Then, of course, who do we have fixing the planes? What standards? Because as we see in law and in medicine, the standard is predicated on something that isn't actually important. We've got problems ahead. And this subject that we've been talking about for months is now starting to spread around. I'm Tony Katz. I don't know what to do when John Fetterman's making so much dang sense. I mean, it's it's just weird. Totally, totally weird. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833 468 8669. 833 got Tony. Um, this is Fetterman talking about Israel and, well, yeah. I would ask anyone, if anyone that believes in a ceasefire, I would just say, let's just. Oh, the, why is the volume so low? Why is the vo- Oh, I don't. Can you not hear it, Kylan? Not quite. Ah, so I'll I'll, I'll uh, paraphrase it. He says, "I would ask anyone uh, that believes in a ceasefire. I would just say, let's call for Hamas to surrender and put down their guns, and then that would end all of the misery and the killing and everything." You know, I believe to be on the right side for Israel on this, and I believe that we will never have peace or a stable two-state solution until we destroy Hamas. Yeah! Absolutely! All of these groups, all of these people, who I mean, they're, they're, they're pro-Hamas. They want the destruction of Israel. Oh, these people of Gaza, they're being so abused. Why not tell Hamas to surrender. If they give up, this all stops. It all stops. They've already murdered 1,200 Israelis and Jews, and yet it would all stop if Hamas was gone. So, why isn't there a push, a desire, a want to get them gone? Because the people who support them on the college campuses, and in our institutions, like Congress, uh, they want, of course, the, 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 the Jews dead. I mean, it's just what, it's just what they want. There's, there's, no, there's no real argument here, is there? I, 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 didn't think there I didn't think there could be. 
And this uh, f- uh, flows into a story uh, about Indiana University that has suspended a professor for a room reservation gone wrong. But that's not the story. Uh, the professor, I, I believe I pronounce his name Abdul Qadir Sino. First name Abdul Qadir, A B D U L K A D E R. This comes from the Indiana Daily Student, it's the Indiana University newspaper. Uh, Professor Sino uh, was going to host an event um, in a a faculty room, but it wasn't for a faculty event. He was actually reserving the room for the Palestine Solidarity Committee so they could have a meeting, which is a no-no. Now, as I hear the story, uh, Sino a big issue in the world of anti-Semitism and IU. And we shouldn't single out just Indiana University. I mean, we, we've we got Harvard. We've got uh, 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 Columbia. Oh, Columbia is a despicable place. Uh, we, 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 we've got an unlimited number of universities, MIT, uh, Stanford. It goes on and on. But IU is no different. You've got this rampant anti-Semitism. What was the last number from the Anti-Defamation League, which I'm not a big fan of, uh, but uh, up 400%? Was it more than that? No one's surprised by by, by any of this. Meanwhile, um, so this guy is, is, helps this student association, which um, one of those uh, groups amongst many groups uh, that want to tell you that uh, Israel's the aggressor. Israel's the oppressor. You know, we talk about where the progressives are, where the Marxists are. They view Israel and and Hamas as oppressed and oppressor. You see, Israel had it coming because look at everything they've done to Hamas. No conversation about Hamas being a terrorist organization and what they've done to the people of Gaza. They don't care. They're cool with it all. So this group has held demonstrations to support Palestine. What what does that even mean to support Palestine? That it doesn't it doesn't mean you mean support Hamas. They don't care what happens to Israel. So what they're saying is that this professor, this professor Sino, S I N N O, violated IU's academic appointee responsibilities and conduct policy, the principles of ethical conduct, and IU student organizations policy. This is when he attempted to reserve the room for this group, the Palestinian Solidarity Committee, for an event. The room had been uh, had been requested and approved, and then they realized it was for a student group, and then they said no. So they're suspending him for this. And, of course, you've got professors saying this is an attack on free speech. Uh, This, to me, is the greatest example ever of why you have to do away with tenure. The problem with professors is that they think they're important. Because they live in a world where they can't lose their job. They have total impunity. or Or they act with total impunity. They believe nothing bad can happen to them. The exemption from punishment, penalty, or harm. That's what tenure does. But that's not how the real world works. It's funny. For all the progressives who want to make people uncomfortable, professors have created a system by which they can't be made to feel uncomfortable. 
Do what I do for an hour. Do what I do, what the talk radio host does for an hour. Every time I'm on the air, every time my producer says, Mike is up, your mic is hot, I risk losing my job by having the job. I am one word away at any moment from losing my job. You understand that if I were to read a transcript of a David Chappelle comedy special, I would be fired before I got to the second sentence. You understand that, right? But it's far more severe than that. I am not one word away. I am one mispronunciation away from being fired every single time I'm on the air. For the record, I do six hours a day, and then I have a weekend syndicated show, Eat, Drink, Smoke. I do 32 hours of radio each and every week. Top that. Everything I say is under the microscope. Everything I say is being analyzed. One word, one mispronunciation, one phrase, one cultural reference away from losing my job and being unable to feed my family. But these Jew-hating professors can say anything and then they just walk around the campus like they're gods, students genuflecting to them because they want to get an A and they're like, my gosh, this is wonderful. Well, it's a sunny day. I feel brand new. There's about a million things that I could do. Look at me. Time professor. Oh, there's my parking spot. That's everybody calls me professor. That's because I'm so important. You're not important. Most of you are scumbag jerks. I mean, that's that's just fact. That's just fact. The the uh, professors don't know this. Right? It would be wrong to say all of them. It's, it's not all of them. And maybe maybe it's not even right to say most. How about just half? Because there are two sides of the bell curve. Half of you are scumbag jerks. Is that wrong? Uh, we go now to producer Kylan uh, for a reaction. Am I okay with that? Is, that? is that over the top? Over the top? Yeah. No. Okay. So as somebody who has gone to a university, I won't say which university, half. Half are not your cup of tea. True or false? I would say true. There we go. There we go. That was a, that was a fine, honest, well put together, thoughtful opinion there. Very thoughtful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, uh, you've already graduated, right? I sure have. I'm yeah, two okay, years no out. Problem. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 It would seem to me that this uh, this professor. In 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 the, in the suspension for the room, that was just a reason. Uh, I think that as we we start picking this apart, it will be about the actions, the bigotry on, on on campus. And you ask yourself, is this the way it should be done? Is this the way it should be done? And and to these to these um, uh, professors there who are supporting him. Um, uh, just so we're, we're clear, Donald Trump has never been charged with insurrection and has never been convicted, has never sat in front of a jury of his peers, has never been convicted of the crime.
I wonder how many of you think he should be removed from the ballot. I'm very stunned by this um, by this move from IU. And I'm stunned because I honestly didn't think Indiana University had it in them. This is a, a campus where the president, Pamela Whitten, when October 7th happened, uh, the attack from, from Hamas, the murder of 1,200, murder, the rape, the beheadings, uh, the, 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 the setting people on fire, um, the statement was so mealy-mouthed, wishy-washy, uh, taking zero position whatsoever, um, that it, it has, it for me, has tainted my view of, of, of IU and certainly of President Whitten. She then came out with a secondary statement that was rather strong, and I don't know exactly how many people had to call her to do such a thing. But it would seem to me that's not something that you necessarily have to be getting on a phone to understand. And it wasn't front and center there of the IU website or, or anything else. I think it was on her private um, Instagram, uh, or I shouldn't say private, but on her Instagram uh, stories and, and that kind of is maybe not as front and center. I, I bring this 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 up. I bring this up as a as a unique reminder uh, that when pressure is applied, things can get done. The problem that we have is that we are disgusted by the idea. And when I say we, I do think it is we, but I'll make it more personal. It is me. And this has been my problem my entire life. I cannot believe pressure needs to be applied. It is stunning to me that one would need to be so in the face of these Jew-hating professors and find ways to move them out as opposed to standing up and saying, you are a disgusting bigot and you have no place at our university. Get out, you're fired. Well, you can't fire them because of tenure. Well, I'm amazed that somebody isn't firing them anyway and then dealing with it later. And when asked the question, yeah, we don't let those Jew-hating bigots teach our students. Goodbye. As a matter of, of management style, one of the reasons I do things the way I do, and maybe I would have a much bigger enterprise uh, if I did them differently. It's that I couldn't do them differently. It, I, 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 the idea of micromanaging is so anathema to me that I find it offensive if I have to do it. I am personally offended, and that is not a way to be. You actually have to explain to people what you expect of them in order to get what you want. That much I get. But there are some things I never thought I'd have to explain. And and therefore, when I have to explain them, I lose my head. I'm like, this is just, this, this, how could you not know these basics? And I think that's, that's, that's a reason. Uh, that is a, a vestige of some bad learning on my part on, on how to deal with others that if I had changed in my head earlier in my life, maybe it would have benefited me. But I, I still to this day, like I'm better at keeping myself cool and actually going through the steps. But in, my, in, in the back of my mind, I am, I am out of my mind to explain like the very basics of, I don't know, how to, how to greet people or, 
or 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 how to how to represent uh, the 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 brand that we have over here. You know, some basic kindnesses. I I drives me nuts. I didn't know you'd have to cajole people into standing up to bigotry, standing up to these people, to uh, standing up to people who support terrorists. I think for a lot of people, they're not surprised by the anti-Semitism. They're surprised by the lack of people who are really willing to stand up to it, who are so fearful of being called a name. So f- It's a job, people. There are other ones. Stand up. Speak out. I, it, it blows my mind to this day. That said, uh, this move from IU is something I'm going to be watching. And for the professors rallying behind, uh, Professor Sino, um, it's not a violation of academic freedom. You can be as much of a Jew hater as you want, but maybe you don't get a job at, at this campus. I wish IU would say that. But supporting a guy who supports the bigotry, and under the guise of academic freedom, ah, you don't have it. And I was wondering if we can get a list of those uh, faculty members, and maybe uh, students would know um, not to take their classes. That would, that would be my idea. Meanwhile, if you've got more information on the story, I'd love it. Email it to me, Tony at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You've got the Dow up 55 and you've got the NASDAQ up 70. I just wanted to see, has there been anything uh, about uh, the the Bitcoin ETF? I mean, Bitcoin is at 47 right now. That's 47,000. I'm just curious. Uh, by the way, I, I, uh, have, I don't have enough Bitcoin to count just for the sake of clarity, not enough to count. But is it moving up because people think that it's going to happen and you're going to start being able to trade on these funds, tra- on these exchanges? We'll see. And if you're somebody who does this, email me, Tony at TonyCats.com. Let me know what you think is going to happen. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyCats.com. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz Today. You're a parent in Brooklyn, 
a lot. You probably got a lot of single moms who are putting who are the breadwinner, so they've got to work during the day. Your kids, you, your kids are supposed to go to school, and then someone tells you, "Sorry, uh, your kids have to stay home." Why? Was there some type of real significant storm or some some emergency? Was there a flu outbreak? Well, why are they having to stay home? They're having to stay home because the state government is commandeering, or the city government is commandeering the school to house illegal aliens. You talk about putting Americans last. You're having these kids. You're depriving these kids of in-person education. This is happening in New York City. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number. Feel free. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number. 833-GOT-TONY. I'm going to get in. Uh, to the story, what's happening in New York, where some of these parents are at, but question exactly what they're willing to do about it. Uh, the big story is the debate tonight. You've got the debate between Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. They're the only two people on the stage. And it's going to be potentially carnage. Two men injured, one man leads. Two men injured, one man leads. Two men injured, one man leads. Some people think that they're going to team up and go after Trump. That is not what's going to happen. I mean, Trump is going to come up a lot. But Nikki Haley, if we take a look at polling, has an opportunity to win New Hampshire. Ron DeSantis needs to stay alive. Now, just as a matter of placing my marker, I think DeSantis can win in Iowa. (laughs) Well, that's not... That's not necessary. That's not. Come on, I'm just saying I've got a theory. What? I'm. I'm just. I. It's not. That was rude, guys. That was rude. O M G. Are you kidding me right now? I'm really, really not. Allow me to explain to you my theory about how Ron DeSantis can win. Iowa. Rude! My gosh. Just, just give me a moment. Whew. Jeepers. Uh, the people who say that the weather doesn't mean anything, I don't think they understand what the weather means at all. It gets cold in Iowa. Sure it does. It's 25 degrees as we speak in Des Moines. Cold. That they, they're used to. On the day of the caucus, the high is negative three. The low is 19 below zero. That's the way it's been. It has been trending from 12 below to 14 below to 19 below zero. If you don't think that has an effect on turnout, and and I say this respectfully, as respectfully as I can, If you don't think that that isn't going to have an effect on turnout, you are amongst the dumbest people who ever lived in the history of ever. Hey, phrase it. I know it was rude. I'm just trying to make a point. 
I apologize. I was just trying to, trying to, trying to make my point clear. A vicious mother, isn't he? Well, sometimes, sometimes. Of course it does. If you told me it was a low of 24, it'd be cold. I don't think it would change much. If you told me it was a low of 17 or, or 19 degrees, I'd say, well, that's cold. That is cold. Under 20, people are like, that's cold. It would change things a touch, but I don't think enough. 19 below can change a lot of things. 19 below temperature. You know who shows up? The true believers. And I believe that the vast majority of true believers exist for Ron DeSantis. F these people. Come on! Why do you have to be like that? I thought thought we were I thought we were friends. Good lord. We don't it doesn't have to be nasty. The true believers are with Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis has not run a good campaign. And I am exhausted by the people out there who are saying those who say Ron DeSantis didn't run a good campaign are just the Trump people who don't think he ran a good campaign or just saying so to make people believe he didn't run a good campaign. Guys, he has not run a good campaign. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Okay, it wasn't that bad. It just wasn't good. It didn't connect. I think he hasn't connected until recently, but that's neither here nor there. It's that his support is lower based on the polling than he would like, but it is not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Gone. And I believe that in a caucus state, where you need people to show up for you and caucus for you and get people over to your side and need to stand your ground, that's the DeSantis people. And therefore, these true believers are the ones who will show up in the cold and they are the ones who will make the difference and get Ron DeSantis a win in Iowa. If if just unbelievable. Here's the 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 fantastic problem that now occurs, and I believe this to be true. Uh, first, l- let's be clear: Mike Huckabee has won the Iowa caucus. Rick Santorum has won the Iowa caucus. Ted Cruz has won the Iowa caucus. George H. W. Bush won the Iowa caucus in 1980. You know who became president? Ronald Reagan. The Iowa caucus does not guarantee success. Not by a long shot. Here's the other part, and and, and I'm putting my marker down on this as well. Iowa won't matter at all. Because of the weather. Because what people are going to say now that the weather has become the conversation, people are going to say, well, look, not everybody showed up because it was so cold out. So really, you can't take a look at Iowa. You really got to take a look at 
at uh, at New Hampshire and South Carolina, uh, to which Ron DeSantis is going to say, "But his whole place sucks." That's right, it sucks. He's gonna his people will be like, "What do you mean? What do you mean we?" We, 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 they told us we were going to be in third place, fourth place in Iowa. We win Iowa. How is, I mean, how is that not it? How is that on everything? God, what do you mean it doesn't matter? Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Well, that's going to be a good question. That's going to be a good question. Because DeSantis is going to need some level of showing in New Hampshire and South Carolina to be able to stick around for Super Tuesday, which is, I think, pretty hard for him to do. The oh, I've I've stated from the beginning, I think the Nikki Haley path is an easier path than the Ron DeSantis path, based on South Carolina being right there. But the debate tonight, while Trump is having the town hall on, on, on Fox. And so now you, you've got this battle of Fox versus CNN regarding who uh, is president. And CNN has got to be like, what is the nerve of these people? We're having the debate. The Republican Party, we're having the debate. Why in the world is Fox doing this to us? And Fox is clearly saying... They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. The debate tonight is not going to be a gang up on Trump, although there's going to be probably more talk about Trump in this than ever. It is DeSantis's last gasp. And what he has to do is he has to be able to show Iowa and show South Carolina, because I don't think you can show New Hampshire anything. I, 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 I really and truly don't think you could show New Hampshire. He has to show Iowa and South Carolina that Nikki Haley is indeed the flip-flopper that you think she is, and she really can't think on her feet. That when she is asked a question, she simply is thinking of how she should answer it as opposed to what the answer is, and within that gets very lost. I actually have exclusive audio of of uh, one of the uh, practice sessions that Nikki Haley was a part of being asked a question. If a train left New York at 300 miles per hour, an accelerated speed 15 miles per hour, and traveled a distance of 683 miles, tell me, sir, what time would that train reach Chicago? What the fuck? I did question. She didn't react to it very, very well. And it's going to be an interesting needle for DeSantis to thread because he has to put her in that position to not be able uh, to, to, to ask a question, not be able to answer a question, but he has to do it in a way where he's not seen as being mean to a woman. You know it, I know it. Why are we pretending these things aren't real when they are? So it's difficult. Nikki Haley is going to be diminished by the fact that 
that she doesn't have Vivek Ramaswamy to yell at. And let me tell you, it is very clear that she enjoys yelling at Vivek Ramaswamy. (laughs) Sounds something like that. So she has to position herself as the clear choice for a country that isn't a fan of Donald Trump. It's Nikki Haley who gets to run against Trump for the nomination and really position herself against Biden as the one who can beat Biden. DeSantis still has to position himself as somebody who can beat Haley. They are engaged in two very different debates tonight. As for which one I'll be watching, will I be watching uh, the Trump town hall or will I be watching the debate? I will be watching the debate. Because I already know it's coming from from the town hall. You people at Fox News are very rude to me. You're not very nice to me. You're not nice. You're rude. You're rude. You're not nice. I, I, I gave you so many ratings. I was so good to you. And look what you did to me. Shame. Shame on, 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 on you. Boy, that Tucker's doing great, huh? 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 There's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be a fair amount of, of that. And uh, Jack Smith is corrupt, and Fannie Willis is corrupt, and Letitia James is corrupt. And oh, by the way, Letitia James is gross. Fannie Willis is corrupt. Letitia James is gross. The the Attorney General of New York. Well, we were suing for two hundred fifty million dollars, but we decided to to add like a hundred million more onto it because what the hell? What the just just. Just, you know, I, I ran for office on destroying this guy, so I might as well just really destroy him. You know, tee It's Oh, it's gross. It's disgusting. I know what's coming in the Trump town hall. There's nothing there that I can learn anything from. I can learn something from the debate. Do I think that the Trump numbers are real? Well, as I've said many times... No, but there's only one way to find out, and that's through the caucus and through the primaries. You take a look at the Iowa caucus. The latest poll is Trafalgar, Trump 52, Haley 18, DeSantis 18. He's still up by 30 points, but if you tell me you believe in polling, then you believe in New Hampshire where it's Trump 39 in the latest CNN uh, University of New Hampshire poll, Trump 39, Haley 32, Christie 12, DeSantis 5. And you say to me, why won't Chris Christie get out of this race? Because all the Chris Christie supporters would be Nikki Haley supporters. She'll win New Hampshire. Well, Chris Christie will tell you why he's not getting out of the race. Let's say I dropped out of the race right now. And I supported Nikki Haley. And then three months from now, four months from now, we get ready to go to the convention. She comes out and is his vice president. What will I look like? What will all the people who supported her at my behest look like? That's Chris Christie giving Ron DeSantis an opening in this debate 
to say, everybody know you're running to be Trump's vice president, but I'm running to be president. And Chris Christie gave him that opening. The question is, is Chris Christie saying what voters are really thinking? I am. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. But I will be covering it. I think I might live stream it for a while. So be sure to go to TonyCats.com. Uh, check it out there. It, it'll be on all the, uh, all the socials. I'll be, I'll be drinking and smoking. Cigars. That's what I do. And I'll be drinking, sipping. But still, it'll be fun. That starts at 9 p.m. This is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You The truth is, securing the border isn't really the Republicans' top concern. If it was, they'd provide the people with boots on the ground at the border what they need to get the job done. Republicans would rather exploit a challenging policy issue for their own perceived political gain. Republicans disagree with the Biden administration's border and immigration policies. They are angry that this administration won't take babies from their moms or put kids in cages like the last administration. You cannot impeach a cabinet secretary because you don't like the president's policies. Let me say that again. You cannot impeach a cabinet secretary because you don't like a president's policies. That's not what impeachment's for. That's not what the Constitution says. Article 2, Section 4 of the United States Constitution states, and I quote, The President, Vice President, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. So it seems to me, Representative Thompson, that you don't know what the Constitution says. And of course, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, the failed Homeland Security Secretary, can be impeached for the failure to implement any of the policies that have remained in this administration, including policies that, yes, put kids in cages because we know it's happening right now. Your problem, Representative, is that Ocasio-Cortez hasn't done any crying at the border about it, and you haven't seen a photo op recently. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Of course, Secretary Mayorkas can be impeached. High crimes and misdemeanors, a listing of treason, bribery, or other. It is a wide berth of what someone can be impeached for. I mean, you guys tried it twice, so you should know. You can make it up as you go along. You, you, you did it. You certainly did it the first time. You just made an error the second time. If you had impeached on dereliction of duty, you could have gotten somewhere. But no, too angry to see in front of your face. The policies of the Biden administration are non-existent. Some policies they have kept from the Trump era, and they do have kids in cages, and people do get separated from their parents. But of course you can impeach a cabinet secretary because you don't like the president's policies or not following the policies. The question is, should you? 
ain't a thing that I would change about you. I feel We're going to talk about outrageous things that have happened or things that have never happened. Let's talk about the fact that President Trump incited an erection. Uh, and <laughs> maybe that, too. <laughs> and you can talk about that, too, I guess. Congress really is falling apart. It really, it, it really is. It's, uh, it's something that was uh, Representative Pramila Jayapal. Just making a funny. <laughs> Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What are you doing, boo? 833-GOT-TONY-833-468-8669. John Kirby is speaking. He is not the White House press secretary, but he might as well should be. There's a whole story about friction between him, um, uh, National Security Council, uh, spokesperson, excuse me, and uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, because... Kirby knows how to answer questions for the most part. For the most part, I will get, oh, I'll get into that coming up. And uh, and Corinne Jean-Pierre reads from a binder. He is a much more professional face for the White House than Corinne Jean-Pierre, who really is terrible at what she does. Watching Corinne Jean-Pierre makes me confident that I would be a fantastic press secretary for at least a week. For a week, I would be gold. And by then, I would be fired. I would not last a full Scaramucci. And then I would immediately go write a book. Oh, what a book I would write. Hour by hour explanation, TikTok of what had been happening. Gold, kitten. Gold. I, I had mentioned before a uh, a statement uh, from Ron DeSantis and Ron DeSantis discussing how families would feel if their children were kicked out of schools and these illegal immigrants brought in. Well, that's exactly what has happened, of course. When we talk about New York... And you talk about how these uh, illegal immigrants that have been sent to New York because they came to America. Why shouldn't they be sent to New York? What, they should just stay in Texas? They should, they should only stay in, 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 in Texas? They, they can't go to New York? They can't go to Chicago? They can't go to other places? Well, these uh, illegal immigrants and others who have been brought to New York... New York has no place to put them. The governor of Massachusetts, by the way, someone double-check me. Uh, Kylan, double-check me, because I had seen the story earlier. Uh, governor Healy? Governor Healy is asking Massachusetts residents to take people in? Do, do, I, do I have that right? She's asking residents to take uh, people into. uh into their homes, right? By the way, the Third Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, no soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. Uh, I don't know if this applies to uh, illegal immigrants. Neither here nor there, just something I thought I'd remind everybody of. These, uh, a lot of these uh, people were living in, in basically a tent city um, in a, in a, in a a field like a, like a soccer field 
there in uh, in New York. But some very cold weather was coming. And so they got moved to temporarily, temporarily shelter in the gym and auditorium of Madison High School in Brooklyn. The students were then told, you will have an e-learning day. And parents are out of their heads. Parents are angry. Parents are disgusted. How dare you? How could you? Do you feel good about yourself doing this to our kids? Wait till you learn, parents of New York. Yes, they do. Let us ask the question that has to be asked. When will you liberal white women learn? You vote for terrible people and terrible policies because Trump's a meanie. And now your kids don't get an education. What part of correlation do you not understand? I mean, do we have to go back and watch The Matrix and talk about causality? You did X, you got Y. Now shut the Z up. You did this. You voted for this. Now, I am a big believer in the idea that while people voted for for Biden, right? Some of these people definitely voted for Biden. Let's not deny that. Um, They didn't vote for all this insanity. I, I, I want to show them grace so I can get what I need in the next election, which is this entire progressive insanity gone. But... When you're out there yelling at some school security guard at James Madison High School, the person you need to be yelling at is yourself. You voted for this progressive. You're the people who voted in Kathy Hochul, the governor. Again, you could have had Lee Zeldin. You could be doing something about this right now. Uh, Kathy Hochul, in her State of the State address, was talking about how she's going to really crack down on shoplifting. Is that right? Is that right? You had to wait for an address to the state to crack down on a crime. You are some chief executive. How brave. How brave. You need to make a big statement before you did the thing instead of, you know, just doing the thing. You know, when I am in um, a public bathroom, right, uh, at a restaurant or cigar lounge, and I'm washing my hands and I see a paper towel on the floor, I take another paper towel, I pick it up, I throw it away. No one's in the bathroom but me. I do that. I don't need a crowd to tell me to do the right thing. If I have taught my children anything, I only hope that I was able uh, and and have been able to, to teach them that you do the thing that must be done regardless of who is watching. You don't take shortcuts. You do it the way it must be done. You do it cleanly and clearly and with focus and with a bit of passion. And then you move on to the next subject. Move on to the next thing. 
but you don't do the you don't wait to do the right thing because somebody's watching you. You don't you don't do it. Do the right thing. Voting for Joe Biden was clearly the wrong thing. And now you know it. So now the question is, what are you going to do about it? Yell at some security guard? That's madness. I don't know who the Republican nominee is going to be. But if it's Donald Trump, I'm voting for him. And if it's Nikki Haley, I'm voting for her. And if it's Ron DeSantis, I'm definitely voting for him. If the nominee was Chris Christie, I would vote for him. I have to deal with my reality. Reality is everything. And here's the reality. The border is a remarkable mess. It is affecting all of these sanctuary cities who danced and cheered. They danced and cheered. When they were made a sanctuary city, that's what they did in Philadelphia. And they bragged and they bragged about being sanctuary cities and how good they were and how kind they were. And then all of a sudden people showed up in their doorsteps and then they got angry and they can't believe this. And this is wrong. And this is racist because many of these mayors are black and you see how racist it is from Governor Greg Abbott. You're yelling at the wrong people, liberal white women. Go yell at the mayor. Go get in the mayor's face. Go get in the governor's face. But you elected that mayor in New York. You elected that mayor in Chicago. You elected that governor in Illinois. You elected that governor in New York. When do you change? When do you change? The problem is nobody says this to them, including their husbands. Uh, Being married is not easy. And I am not one who believes in the... uh, Forgive the way I say this, but understand what I'm trying to say. Uh, I don't know if I'm a total believer in in the biblical theory. I'm using the word theory. Go with me. About men running their families. Right, and how that how that works. In my life, in this family that I have, there are times where I make decisions. Absolutely I do. And there are times where my wife makes decisions. There's undoubtedly true. There are things that my wife and I discuss and we are gauging the level of importance of the subject to ourselves and to the other person. And there are times where it is equally important. And coming to decisions uh, on those subjects are tough. And sometimes it, there there is the quote-unquote compromise, which is never fun. It really is never fun. And sometimes there is just a disagreement that leads to, well, it has to be one way or another. And it's not a flip a coin. It is, it is an, atten- an intensity, and it can last. And sometimes it, th- those moments are hard, and getting past those moments are hard. But in, in a in a marriage, uh, you, that that's part of it. I think that that sometimes it's a conversation about a decision has to be made. I will tell you, I have had very few 
moments of of complete intransigence with, with my own wife. Just, I just haven't. It just hasn't. There's been difficulties. There's been uh, plenty of things that we've discussed and debated and disagreed about. But total intransigence, I I, I could count on one hand. Um, and sometimes it takes putting it to the side and then coming back to it later. Sometimes it means having to come uh, to a, a, a decision and and leaving somebody unhappy. Well, the question would be, how do you come to that decision? Somebody has to make a decision. Is that the man's role? Sometimes I would argue yes. Sometimes I do think it really depends on the subject at hand. Uh, but I, I don't... Well, I may not perfectly live that way. I don't disagree with families that do. Doesn't doesn't bother me at, at at all. But I will not have any quarter for any husband who won't look at their wife or wife who won't look at their husband and say, "What are you doing?" There are plenty of couples who disagree politically or they have basic alignments, but one person is more intense than than the other person. You're still voting for Biden after all of this? And if you're in a major city like New York or Chicago, your spouse, you're the spouse. What are you doing? What are you doing? This is this is destroying us, destroying our city, and it's gonna hurt our kids. What are you doing? As a matter of fact, you have a responsibility to do that. What are you doing? Your kid is in New York or Chicago and is voting uh, for, for Kathy Hochul and voting for Eric Adams in New York and voting for these and, and okay with these things. What are you doing? Yes. Yes, indeed, you have that conversation. Are you having that conversation every day? I doubt that. Are you bringing it up? What are you doing? You bet. You bet you are. I think you should. Joe Biden policies at the border have shown to fail. And now everybody's dealing with the failure and American kids, legally in America kids, are being told to take a back seat in their education to people who were brought over the border illegally. What are you doing? I think that's the only question to ask. These sanctuary cities have gotten what they wanted. And if they don't want it anymore, the question is, what are you doing? And if you're still voting for these people and these policies, what the hell are you doing? I'm Tony Katz. In a little talked about story, the Justice Department has engaged in a conversation I'd never heard of before. But I think opens uh, the proverbial Pandora's box in a way that cannot be understated. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. On Monday, the Justice Department filed a statement of interest 
because the Justice Department has filed the statement as part of a lawsuit brought in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Georgia against the state's Department of Corrections. This is about whether or not medical care has to be provided to people who have gender dysphoria, which people utilize the terminology trans now, and do they have to be provided surgeries? What the Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark of the Civil Rights Division wrote in the statement, and I'm quoting, people with gender dysphoria should be able to seek the full protections of the Americans with Disabilities Act, just like other people with disabilities. The U.S. Constitution requires that people incarcerated in jails and prisons receive necessary medical care, treatment, and services to address serious medical conditions. Now, we can discuss the constitutional part, but back to the first. Gender dysphoria, which is a diagnosed mental disorder in the DSM-5, the Diagnostics and Statistical Manual utilized by the American Psychiatric Association. That is a disability? It's being trans is a disability? Well, tell that to the people who claim that they're trans. I can't wait to hear their response. But a disability? Are we, are we now saying that Anything you say regarding people who claim this transgenderism is a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act? Um, we don't think that's going to lead to a problem because I'm pretty sure it's going to lead to a lot of problems. This is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America... It's Tony Katz today. So Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has prostate cancer. And that's why he was in the hospital. And then there were complications. And that's why he went back to the hospital. Okay. And? What next? Do you think that the Secretary of Defense having prostate cancer is an excuse for not informing the President of the United States of his whereabouts or that he was having surgery, that he would be incapacitated? That you had the Undersecretary taking charge except she was on vacation and didn't know that the Secretary was in a hospital. Why would anybody think that any of this is okay? None of this is okay. None of this comes close to being okay. So why is this being defended? And how is it possible that no one's getting fired? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. John Kirby, right? He is, he's, uh, I, I think he's now the part-time press secretary for the president. He's going to let you know that the undersecretary, Kathleen Hicks, was more than capable of handling things. Had there been a need uh, by the commander in chief to de- to task the Defense Department or to uh, seek greater, greater clarity from the Defense Department about a specific issue, 
the deputy secretary, Kathleen Hicks, who had that authority delegated to her, who had a full communication suite with her uh, while she was on leave and, and fully staffed, would have been more than capable uh, of being the acting secretary of defense for that period of time. She wasn't told. You're telling us after the fact, everything ipso facto. That's not enough. If the defense secretary had a medical issue, I only hope he's okay. I hope they got the cancer. I hope it is resolved. I hope that he gets to have a happy and joyous and long life. But none of it changes the fact that the president wasn't uh, contacted. That Kathleen Hicks, the deputy secretary, had a full suite and complement of, of tools at her disposal, I would assume that that's SOP, standard operating procedure. Nothing about that shocks or surprises. But she didn't know he was in the hospital. And none of it changes the fact that the president of the United States did not know. This is the story. What kind of children are these? that they think this can take place and somehow magically it's fine because it's clear from the White House that Lloyd Austin isn't going to be fired and Lloyd Austin needs to be fired. If you're the president of the United States and you're accepting this, well, that's madness. Now, there are a couple of takes here. One comes from Congresswoman Elise Stefanik of New York. And look at the scandal right now with the Secretary of Defense. I represent thousands of troops from Fort Drum, the 10th Mountain Division, who are deployed in the Middle East right now. It is unacceptable that you have a Secretary of Defense who is not transparent with the White House. So I'm looking forward to being active on that issue to deliver accountability and transparency. And I call for his resignation. So you want him fired? Absolutely. It has an impact on, first of all, adversaries are watching. If you look at the national security challenges around the world today, whether the Middle East on fire, whether you think about China continuing to be on the rise, continuing to watch for American weakness, this asserts American weakness, and it shows the White House has no idea what's going on. The fact that they did not know, the President of the United States did not know, it is unheard of. This is why I called for the Secretary to resign. This is why we're doing an investigation. Now. I think it's an interesting point about the showing of weakness. I don't disagree with that. I would argue that I am more bothered that the guy in charge is okay with this. To me, that is beyond irrational. Now, we should note that it isn't just Republicans at this moment talking about this. This is Congressman Adam Smith He is on the House Armed Services Committee talking to Caitlin Collins on CNN. But on the the process here and how this happened, do you believe that it's appropriate that President Biden just learned about this diagnosis and what happened on December 22nd today? Absolutely not. I mean, this is very troubling. Let me say, I think Secretary Austin has done a great job as Secretary of Defense. When you look at the coalition that he has put together to defend Ukraine, at the response to the Israel crisis, we're we're in a very, very difficult uh, set of circumstances for our national security. He's done a great job, but there's really no excuse that I can think of for not having informed the president, number one, that you had cancer, but certainly number two, that he was having this surgery and that he was hospitalized. And that's the one question that we have to have answered. What 
did Secretary Austin think? I mean, why did he think that it was okay not to tell the president? I mean, he, Secretary Austin is number two in command of the military. Uh, president's number one. It, it's really important that he keep him informed. He didn't in this case. And, and I can't imagine a, a plausible explanation that, that justifies that decision. That you can get behind. That is rational and that is cogent. What possibly excuses the lack of information? The answer, of course, is nothing. And the reason I bring this up again is because what this gets to, and if you caught me on Newsmax earlier this week, I had this conversation, I had it in a, in, in a joking way, but you, you, you learn from it how, how serious this is. You're the guy in charge. You're the CEO. You're the boss. And one of your people is gone for three days and no one tells you. Now, I stated that I think it's weird that he didn't have any communication with his Secretary of Defense for three days in this environment. Makes me wonder exactly how often he speaks to his Secretary of Defense. Then it makes me wonder how often he speaks to his cabinet. How often? And does he reach out to them or do they reach out to him? Or does nobody reach out to Joe Biden because Joe Biden is an incompetent old man and wouldn't know if he had had the conversation with you anyway. But Adam Smith, Congressman Smith here is absolutely right. What was Secretary Austin thinking? Why did he think that it was okay not to tell the president? And why would the president, having been informed yesterday of the true nature of the secretary's medical condition, why would he accept it? Why would he accept being treated that way? That question has not been answered. Think of the level of disrespect, not only that Secretary Austin has for the president, but that the Pentagon has for the president that they felt no need whatsoever to inform him. No one thought it mattered. I thought this came to a fantastic head-to-head when Peter Ducey, the only guy who seems to ask questions, I, I shouldn't say that. Jackie Heinrich, I think, does really excellent work. I think she, she's a bit unsung over, over at Fox. I think she does excellent, excellent work. Uh, but Peter Ducey crushes. He 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 does. He gets more of the fanfare. He crushes when he's there at the White House. And Peter Ducey asked a question of John Kirby, who again is now the de facto press secretary because Corinne Jean Pierre is ignorant and embarrassing. She she's terrible, terrible at her job. If it doesn't come from a binder, she doesn't know how to say it. Check out this back and forth between Kirby, who is the Uh, He's with the National Security Council. He does uh, strategic communications. And Peter Ducey from Fox. Wait, thank you for all the detail on that. But more broadly, why should we believe anything that this administration tells us about anything ever again? I think we all recognize, and I think the Pentagon has been very, very honest with themselves about uh, the... um, the challenge to, to, to credibility by what by what has transpired here and by what and by uh, uh, how, how 
how hard it was for them to be fully transparent with the American people. I think we- first things first. No one was talking about them being transparent with the American people. He wasn't transparent. They weren't transparent with the president. And by the way, that that took uh, between the question and the answer thirty four seconds to get to that moment. There was a lot of stumbling, fumbling, mumbling going on from John Kirby there because he knows there's no good answer. But remember, what he said there is inconsequential. Being transparent with the American people is not the story for at least this conversation. He didn't tell the president. Nobody did. We all recognize that. And, and wait, wait, now, just give me a second now. I, I know you got another one coming here, but, but we all recognize that this didn't unfold the way it should have on so many levels, not just the notification process up the chain of command, but the transparency issue. We all recognize that. And, and I think we all want to make sure we learn from that. I, uh, it's up to you and your colleagues, and it's up to the American people to determine you know, how much they're going uh, to ascribe what happened here to our credibility on every single issue. But in, in every way, Secretary Austin has been an exceptional defense secretary, and he still has the full faith and confidence of the commander-in-chief. Why? Why does he still have the full faith of the commander-in-chief? What has he done to earn that? No one communicates. You still have full faith. Don't you have questions? And what's this idea of we've learned from it? Who cares what you learned from? You had to learn this as the leader of the Pentagon? You didn't know this from all your military training that you have to inform your superiors of your whereabouts? Guys, you understand. You understand that John Kirby here is completely full of crap, right? Uh, he has led uh, the department at an incredibly dangerous time for uh, our national security interests and those of our allies and partners. But if the administration is going to go to such great lengths to keep secrets about the defense secretary's health, how can anybody be certain that the administration would not go to the same lengths to keep secret problems with President Biden's health in the future? Brilliant, brilliant question. It's the question you would ask. But he asked it beautifully and said it directly. If if you could logically argue, and you can't, but if you could logically argue that the minute... He's wait, 81 wait, years old. Wait a second. Just give me a second what? here, bub. There I'll get there. I'm if, sorry. I'm sorry. Did, did you just call Peter Ducey bub? President Biden's help in the future. If, if you could logically argue, and you can't, but if you could logically argue that the minute wait, wait, years old. wait a second, just give me a second what? here, bub. There I'll get there. Oh, he did. He did. He did call him bub. Just give me a second what? here, bub. There. Just give me a second what? here, bub. There. I'll get there. Sure. Sure. Okay. Bub. It's a professional outfit right here. If, if the administration made some sort of Machiavellian effort 
uh, across the board to, to, to keep this from getting public, then I think your question has merit and, and certainly is a fair one. I don't think it's a fair one because that's not what happened here, Peter. What happened here is the Secretary of Defense, uh, for whatever reason, I can't answer the question why, uh, that information wasn't shared. It wasn't shared widely in the department and it worse? certainly wasn't shared with you the United States. It's, it's not good. It's certainly not good, which is why, again, we want to learn from this. We want to, we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. If you have to learn from this, the military is a complete and total failure and everybody in the upper echelons needs to be demoted to private and then discharged dishonorably. Letting people know your whereabouts seems to be job, you know, something that you, that you learn in the first week. Not a military guy, but it seems to be that's something you learn pretty quickly. You have to learn from this? Fire everybody. Then everybody will learn. This is nonsense, childlike, ridiculous pablum coming from the White House. These are children. You are right to be disgusted by their ineptness. But not only are they proud of their ineptness, they celebrate it and they rally around it. They will rally around the fact that the defense secretary has no respect for the president of the United States. And it should bother you. It should bother you because even if you don't like the president, you don't like the policies, you still respect the office. You respect it, but the defense secretary doesn't. And those who work in the Pentagon don't. Man, this story has has got layers on layers. And I'd fire Lloyd Austin on the spot. I'm Tony Katz. My life be like... question is who bribed hunter biden to be here today that's my first question um second question you are the epitome of white privilege coming into the oversight committee spitting in our face ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed what are you afraid of you have no balls to come up here and mr chairman point of inquiry oh i don't think you need a point of inquiry after that i I think representative mace said it clearly enough for everybody to understand Tony Katz holy crap Tony Katz today uh, Hunter Biden showed up at the oversight committee hearing just showed up and that's Nancy Mace losing her mind and everybody and their mother has got some kind of kind of point of order uh, to, to to make there and then in the middle of the hearing he just walks out Walks right out. For five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Oh, apparently, you're afraid of my words. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> oh. I like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. That's Marjorie Taylor Greene. She was about wow, to get that's to too bad. some comments, and Hunter Biden and his team just get up and walk out. Don't ask me. Whole thing is not. What was the point? What was the point? And then he's in the hallways and people are asking what can only be seen as the basic questions. Please, I'll answer your question if you be quiet and let me make a statement. Okay? How crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? Let me- 
Oh my gosh! This is America! What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? It's the Mr. Biden that makes that perfect, by the way. Oh, that is just absolutely precious if it wasn't all so incredibly embarrassing. He wasn't expected to be there. He shows up at the House Oversight Committee with his attorneys. Right? This committee hearing was considering a resolution that if went through, it would set up a House vote on whether or not to hold him in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena as part of the whole House impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. Now, I love this because it puts Democrats on the record. Are they going to vote no? It's okay to defy a congressional subpoena? Because once you're on the record, you're on the record. And you know what they'll say for the next one when they do it to a Republican? Well, in the case of Hunter Biden, that wasn't serious. But everyone knows this is serious. Uh, congressional subpoena is congressional subpoena, whether you like it or not. So either you have to comply or you don't. So I love the idea of putting this on the record and getting Democrats on the record to say you don't have to comply with uh, a, a, a government subpoena. I love it. Fantastic. And then he gets up and he leaves. Now, as you know, he didn't show up to the closed door hearing. Instead, he makes a statement outside the Capitol where he's flanked by Congressman uh, Eric Swalwell, who I'm saying never had sex with that Chinese spy. He's not man enough to do that. I'm just saying what is is what is. So what happens next in this? I don't know. I, I really don't know what's going to happen next with this. Uh, he'll get subpoenaed uh, again or, or he'll be, you know, uh, the, they'll move forward on this, on this resolution uh, to hold him in contempt and uh, it'll go from there. But if you ask me what I think of the, the, this bit of nonsense pageantry, it doesn't change the fact that Joe Biden seems to have made money off of his son and his son made money off of his father. And that needs to be investigated to the fullest extent. I'm Tony Katz and this is Tony Katz Today. And the memories bring back, memories bring back your... I wanted to dig in a bit more about this real estate issue, specifically this office space issue that's going on not only in, in Indiana, but across the country and not just in places like Indianapolis or Fort Wayne, Muncie, Bloomington, Evansville, all dealing with the issue, which is the office space is empty. The office space is empty because people don't want to come back to work. And that's going to lead to a whole conversation about how that is dealt with by employers, exactly how rough and tumble will, you know, these things get. Over the past year, it is clear that not every business can get people to come back. And this is going to become not only an issue for the downtown businesses that rely on the people coming to the offices, but it's going to be a story of whether these businesses start cutting bait or acquiescing to the people who want to work from home and have nobody watching what they're doing. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Mickey Shuey joins me right now, commercial real estate, tourism, and sports business reporter. 
over at the IBJ. He's the author of the Real Estate Weekly Newsletter at the Indianapolis Business Journal, IBJ.com. I had sent this story to you from the Wall Street Journal. Office vacants, Offices around America hit a new vacancy record, 19.6%. And I said, what do you think of this number? And your response was, sounds about right. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Tony. Um, first, I want to kind of do a set the stage a little bit because here in central Indiana, it's important for us to know the numbers for our, for our area, of course. And according to JLL, uh, a brokerage, uh, they they say that the uh, central Indiana number is actually closer to uh, 24% overall, with downtown being around 22.7% uh, uh, vacancy overall. Uh, now, that's not super out of line with that 196 number, but, uh, but as I said, it, it's not surprising given that there are still a lot of questions about the the future viability of these traditional downtown office spaces. Um, I mean, you, you've still got uh, the, the tall office towers, but, but then you've also got other projects that are actually underway or finishing up uh, of new office space in other parts of downtown. Like you've got Bottle Works, you've got the Stutz. You're eventually going to have it, 11 Park and Circle Center. So really the big question that pops into my mind as a reporter is how do those areas how do these uh kind of specialty districts affect the the future of the downtown core uh office space well it could be to an, an answer to that question is people will be attracted to the new thing and they'll move out of the old thing so it's just a question of re-erect re, re, re uh adjusting the chairs on the deck of the titanic and it's not actually solving the issue and when you talk about 24 percent well, if the average is 19.6, that's one in five offices open. Once you get near 25%, it's one in four offices uh, open. So I, I, me personally, I thought that number was pretty staggering. Talking to Mickey Shuey, commercial real estate, tourism, and sports business reporter for the Indianapolis Business Journal, IBJ.com. What are the building owners telling you about their plan? I assume they have discussed. Here's how we think we can get people back. What are they discussing? I mean, a lot of the building owners right now are staying pretty mum, but those I have talked with have, have really said that they're trying to focus on kind of quality of place type improvements, things like like lounges and and more open open office spaces and shared spaces for workers um you've also got that going on within the the um the rent ranks as well i mean you've got companies that are trying to open up uh larger break areas and and gathering spaces and that's something that was really popularized right after covid but it continues to be a trend because uh companies are trying to get their their workers back i mean it's uh i'm downtown at least three four days a week and and i will say that from my experience, there's been uh, like there's still a ton of cars on the road and everything, but but certainly in the offices, uh, there's there's not nearly as many people as there were pre-pandemic. So, I think they're trying to figure that out. But but more importantly, a lot of these building owners, I think, are to some extent trying to just keep the doors open. I mean, we we've, we've had at least one major uh, building downtown, uh, Circle Tower on Money in the Circle. Uh, uh, go into uh, receivership because the owner was allegedly not able to pay the bills. So, 
I think that's going to be a question as we go through 2024, whether we're going to see more companies, uh, excuse me, more building owners uh, encounter those sorts of issues with their buildings. So let's discuss, you You brought this up earlier. We're not just talking about the, the massive, quote-unquote, skyscrapers. We're talking about the three-story office complex, which you can find in Indianapolis, you can find in Muncie, you can find in, in, in Bloomington and all across uh, Indiana. They're having problems as well. Are their problems greater because they don't, by nature, have the amenities of the larger office complexes? Uh, perhaps to an extent, yes, I, I would say so, especially for those kind of standalone standalone buildings. Because uh, when you get the Keystone at the Crossing, for example, and, and the uh, the Keystone Office Park there, all of those buildings have the amenities or shared amenities that they can work with. But but the uh, the smaller uh, single um, single building uh, campuses are, are are certainly encountering issues as well. Uh, that's not really broken down in the data all that clearly. So uh, understanding that uh, takes a little bit more finessing. But uh, but certainly uh, they're they're encountering issues the same as uh, what downtown or even the the uh, the suburban office parks are. So I, I mentioned Muncie and 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 Bloomington. These cities, Indianapolis, Fort Wayne, et cetera. What are the cities doing? to try and get the businesses to bring people back. How is that progressing? I mean, honestly, it's, it seems to be staying about the same. I mean, we've, we've continued to see uh, efforts from, uh, from Develop Indy and, and other, um, other economic development arms uh, try, and, try and bring companies in, but there's not necessarily a... Uh, a tried and true formula to do that, especially at a time when uh, the the stock is go- or the the uh, occupancy is going down because people want to work from home. And this is something that we really not encountered before, so I think people are still trying to kind of crack that code a little bit, uh, especially on the city side and ensuring uh, longevity for uh, the downtown central business district. Before I let you go. How long does this go on? Is this a uh, financial disaster still in, in, in the waiting, still in the coming on for 2024? Or is there a belief that there will be some relief in this year? You know, I, I hate to say it, Tony, but I, it's hard to answer that one because I think we are still in the early stages of this in terms of finding a solution. Because uh, once once you find the solution, it's only a matter of time before that starts rolling out and, and being uh, popularized. So I think once once these companies find a solution and, and are able to kind of crack that code, uh, we'll start to see some relief. But until that happens, we're going to continue to see uh, more vacancy increases. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I, I am curious uh, on my own what, what we're going to see happen with those office tower, towers long-term because uh, converting them uh, is is not an, an inexpensive task by any means. You mean like turning them into condos and things like that? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, we, we've seen that happen a couple times, uh, particularly with the uh, 220 building uh, at 220 North Meridian from Keystone. They spent about $80 million, and it, it turned out to be a very well-done uh, property. But uh, but that's that's not an easy thing to do given just the size of these buildings and and the breakdowns of their interiors. 
Mickey Chewy of the Indianapolis Business Journal, IBJ.com. I appreciate you taking the time. You know, the focus has been naturally and rationally on major city downtowns. It's not just major city downtowns. That's that's the point. It, if, if it... Let's let's say that the major cities can engage some level of incentive and it does bring people back to some acceptable level of filling uh, the, the offices. It doesn't, it's, that's not necessarily what's going to work in smaller cities. Now, it might have some level of drag along effect, but the smaller cities have to figure out how they're going to deal with that. Now, maybe what the smaller city is saying is, we don't care if they work in the office or not. They're still utilizing the services of the city because it's a smaller city. They're still going out for lunch. They're still going out for dinner. They're still shopping over here. So we actually feel it less even if they're not coming to the office. Well, how good will a city feel about all that open office space and the blight that comes with it? Because eventually some landlord can't afford to be the landlord anymore. And there, then that tenant has to move. So now you have some uh, office spaces that fill up because that's how uh, the, the movement went, right? The natural migration. And now you've got some empty buildings and the blight that comes with it. it, it, it it's a different level of maybe dealing with the problem. But I, I think that in all these places, the problem is, is, is there and there's no easy solution for it. But when I see cities that are able to successfully bring people back, I will want to study what it is they're doing. Was it a giveaway? Was there another talking point involved? Was there some other strategy? And then how you can emulate that if indeed it's worth doing. We will follow the story. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Makes me back, thought it was done, but it's never really over. Oh, we were such a mess. Why wasn't it the best? Thought it was done, but it's never so now the plan is to throw out Speaker Mike Johnson. Is that what I'm hearing, Republican Party? You unbelievable bunch of ridiculous dopes. You deserve every bit of derision you get. And the same people who deserve derision are those who said, we have to get rid of Speaker McCarthy. You never had to get rid of Speaker McCarthy. It was, it was all ridiculous nonsense from the very beginning. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Now, I understand that we may disagree about this, but I'm going to say it again. The people who screamed, we have to get rid of Kevin McCarthy, were wrong. They had absolutely no plan whatsoever. They wasted time. They hurt their own capital, and nothing got better. The release of the January 6th tapes? I mean, if that was worth all of this to you, okay. And I don't mind them being released. I think McCarthy should have released them as well. But you threw McCarthy out because he made a deal regarding uh, uh, government spending to avert a government shutdown. Well, here's Johnson making a deal. It's not a perfect deal. And now we're going to talk about this again? 
Well, it turns out we are. You have got Republicans who are discussing the idea of vacating uh, the, the House Speaker. They are having an out loud conversation saying, nope, this doesn't work. Chip Roy, Republican out of Texas, a critic of the uh, agreement, said he would consider filing a motion to vacate Johnson over the deal. Quote, I'm leaving it on the table. I'm not going to say I'm going to file it tomorrow night. I'm not saying I'm not going to file it tomorrow. I think the speaker needs to know that we're angry about it. The people who refer to Chip Roy as a rhino, I think, are ridiculous people. They're upset that Roy is backing Ron DeSantis and not Trump, so this is what they scream. I would say to Chip Roy that if we're discussing the idea of um, money on, on, on the border and not enough happening there, you won't get disagreement from me at all. What you will get from me is, you don't have a plan. And none of your plans are going to get passed. If you say to me, Tony, you have to stand up, I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to yell at you and I'm going to call your sister names. It's going to get nasty. I don't have to be told that we need to stand up. I have to deal with the reality of a House of Representatives and a two-seat majority for the Republicans. And if anybody thinks that things are better when Hakeem Jeffries gets power, you're out of your mind. You're as dumb as a stump and twice as ugly. Don't you get it? This is our reality. And what you want is the masturbatory fantasy of your dream world. I have dreams. Oh, they're good dreams. I have got good and beautiful and joyous dreams, and I'd like to take a moment to share them with you right now. In my dream, there's a hilltop, and on top of that hill is a table set for two. And on that table is a medium steak. It's a ribeye, therefore medium. If it was a New York strip, it'd be medium rare. And there it is. And next to that is a glass of bourbon. But it's magical bourbon because whatever bourbon I think of, boom, that bourbon becomes. It changes as my taste buds change. And an array of cigars, everything I could ever be in the mood for. And there is my wife, who is an absolutely perfect woman. Oh, what a dream I have on that hilltop, eating a steak, drinking a bourbon, smoking a cigar. And in that dream of mine, I have a Republican Party that isn't filled with morons. (sighs) Not filled with morons. You will not get everything. You get what you can, you live to fight another day, and you keep on fighting. The minute you get your thing, you're on to the next thing. You haven't learned anything from the Democrats, have you? And I would say this to Chip Roy, I ain't afraid. I don't think the guy's a rhino, I just think he's wrong. And if he wants to have this fight, I'll have the fight with him. What does it matter? What, he's gonna out-tough me? Get the hell out of here with that kind of crazy. He's just wrong. He's wrong to even mention it. Think You guys, you got to go about the winning. This is step one of a multi-step process. 
Once we get step one, we go for step two. Once we get step two, we go for step three. Once we get step three, we go for step seven, and then we revert back to step four. Do you not understand how the left does this? We're still doing this. It is, it is horrific. It is ridiculous. It is shameful. It is embarrassing. That's what it is. Getting rid of Kevin McCarthy changed nothing. Nothing. It was a mistake from the beginning. Now you have less of a majority and the same old problems because you can't accept the fact that you get what you can and then you come back and you fight again. So much to learn. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.